the prosecutor has a responsibility to prove the guilt, has the burden of proof of the accused, right? Has to prove the guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And in order to meet that burden, the prosecutor has to establish that all the elements of a crime is present. So whether the prosecutor is dealing with the crime of murder, whether it be assault, uh, GBH, assault with intent to commit grievous bodily harm, whether it's malicious damage to property, each of those crimes consists of certain elements and the prosecutor is required to establish the presence of every single one of those elements. If the prosecutor fails to prove the existence of a particular element, it means that the accused cannot be found guilty of the crime. And the first element that we are going to consider is what we refer to as voluntary conduct. And voluntary conduct in essence means that when an accused commits the crime, right, the accused does so with what we refer to in law as conscious will. And conscious will essentially refers to some type of human action or some type of omission, some type of inaction on the side of the accused. Now, the example of someone who, let's say someone has a knife in their hands or has a gun in their hand and they have the gun raised, they're at a shooting range, they're raising the gun, they're prepping to shoot and another person comes by and grabs their hand and moves the gun and shoots it in the direction of the person uh, standing next to them, right? In that instance, there was no conscious will on the side of the accused to commit the crime of murder. So even though there was conduct on the side of the accused, even though it was the accused hand that was ultimately uh, aimed towards the victim, and even though it was the accused finger that pulled the trigger, because someone else had control of the accused hand, there was no conscious will to commit murder, which meant that there was no voluntary conduct on the side of the accused, which means that in that instance, the prosecutor would not be able to establish the element of voluntary conduct. And voluntary conduct doesn't necessarily mean that the accused themselves have committed the physical act. Because what can happen is that someone can, for instance, hire someone else to commit the crime, right? So some of you might be very familiar with the story of Baby Lee Jordan and Dina Rodriguez and how she had hired certain hitmen to kill the baby of her boyfriend, right? The the, the ex-girlfriend had a baby with the boyfriend and she hired Hitman to kill this baby. In that instance, even though Dina herself didn't, didn't physically commit the crime, even though she didn't go into the ex-girlfriend's house and she didn't slit the throat of the baby, the fact that she hired other people to do so means that that conscious will on her side was present and that she had committed a there was a commission, she had committed an act, and that act was a voluntary act, and therefore Dina Rodriguez can be found guilty of murder. So the element of voluntary conduct is there, even though there was no physical conduct on the side of the person, but rather mere payment in order for someone else to commit the act of murder. So there are certain instances in our law where an omission can result in murder as well, right? A failure to do something can also result in, sorry, not in murder in this instance, a failure to do something could result in culpable homicide. So let's say you are at home 
and your child is at home and you cooking on the stove and you accidentally leave the stove on and you walk out and you tell the child you're coming back in a bit and uh, heaven forbid in the process the house burns down and your child passes away. In that situation, even though there was no physical conduct on your side, there was an omission. And for purposes of the law, conduct, when we refer to voluntary conduct, we're referring to both an commission, a physical act, or an omission. So in that instance, even though you never physically killed your child, by forgetting to switch the, the stove off, by committing that omission, you could be found guilty of culpable homicide because there was, the law recognizes, a voluntary conduct on your side and that voluntary conduct took the form of, of an omission because, because you forgot to turn the stove off. Now, there are certain defenses in law that can exclude voluntary conduct. So the, the prosecutor asserts that, you had, that the accused acted voluntary and the accused can raise the defense of um, insane automism, right? We, we were taught back in the day, it was referred to as pathological incapacity. And an example of that would be, let's say someone is in the midst of a, of a bipolar episode and it's a severe episode and they are unable to distinguish between right or wrong or, or they don't really have control over what is right or wrong, even though that they know it's right or they know it's wrong. In that situation, because that person is the midst of a bipolar episode, should they push someone over a balcony, they could not be held liable for the crime of murder because in that instance, even though that person committed a physical act in that instance, even though the, the particular individual pushed someone else off a building, because they were suffering from uh, insanity at the, at the time, they were suffering from what they refer to in law as insane automatism, and therefore one can argue, the accused attorney can then argue that there wasn't voluntary conduct on the side of the accused because the accused was insane at the time that they commit the offence, right? We can remember that when it comes to insanity, it'll serve not only as a uh, defence in the sense that there wasn't any voluntary conduct on the side of the accused, but we will also remember from our earlier unit that insanity also shows that there was a lack of criminal capacity on the side of the accused, either because they couldn't distinguish between right and wrong or they couldn't act in accordance with that distinction. So aside of insane automatism, there's a, an additional defense that an accused can raise in order to negate the possibility of voluntary conduct, right? So the accused can raise an additional defense that shows that in that instance, even though there was an act on the side of the accused, even though there was conduct for purposes of criminal law, that conduct wasn't voluntary. Because remember, we don't only need conduct, we need that conduct to be voluntary, and the second instance is what we refer to as sane automatism. So in sane automatism, it's uh, what we refer to as non-pathological criminal incapacity. In sane automatism, you're not dealing with an individual who's having some sort of mental psychotic break, like your bipolar individual who's in the midst of a, of a severe bipolar um, experience, right? With sane automatism, you have a perfectly... Um, uh, you have someone who's of perfect senses, who's of sound mind, but because of some sort of non-pathological condition, they don't have control over their over their bodies in that moment. And an example of this that is in your notes, and a very famous example, 
where an accused was able to successfully rely on the defense of sane automatism was in an instance of sleepwalking, right? So we will see under our law and in other jurisdictions, other countries, an accused have been able to successfully raise the defense that they were sleepwalking at the time that they committed the offense and therefore they cannot be found guilty of, of murder because they lack the necessary voluntary conduct. And you will see in the particular case in your notes what happened in that instance was that the accused had been in the midst of a dream and the accused was in the dream confront, confronted by Tokolosi and what he did was that he, he stabbed uh, this uh, creature and um, what he didn't realize in the process was that he was actually stabbing another individual. And what the attorneys of the accused did in that instance was that they showed that there was no bad blood, there was no disagreement between the accused and this individual that he had stabbed and they were able to show that in fact the accused was sleepwalking at the time that he stabbed the individual at the time that he committed the act. And by virtue of him having sleep in sleepwalking, he was suffering from what we refer to as sane automatism and the lack, and there was therefore a lack of voluntary conduct, and he therefore couldn't be held accountable for his actions. To so to, so to sum up this particular element, in order for an accused to be found guilty of a crime, the prosecutor must establish that the accused had the necessary voluntary conduct at the time. Voluntary conduct can consist of a physical act. However, it need not be a physical act. Someone can use someone else uh, as a form of instrumentality, such as in the, the case of a hitman. Also, you don't necessarily need to have a physical positive act. You can also have a negative act in the form of an omission, and that's where someone neglects to do something, and as a result... Uh, something manifests someone is perhaps killed and culpable homicide can arise as a result of that neglect. And then we have two defenses. We have the defense of insane automatism and we have the defense of sane automatism. And where these defenses are successfully raised, the prosecutor would not be able to show that the necessary voluntary conduct was present and therefore the accused could not ultimately found be cannot ultimately be found guilty of that particular crime.